Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The show is sponsored by Matt Rock, our first official sponsor. My thanks to the members of the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They and their great records are online at respectsextet.com, and I urge you to go there and buy their music and support great independent music. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo and who is online at twitter.com slash Dave Rabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. I, I am uh... – well, before I tell you this thing I was going to tell you, actually, let me remind you to become a member. This is show 298. <laughs> which means there are two shows left until the 300th show. Uh, I'm recording this show while I'm out – or I'm not recording this. I'm recording this intro before going out of town. You're listening to it while I'm out of town. So I'm not sure how many members I have as you're hearing this show on August 4th. But August 11th, one week from today, is uh, the 300th show, and I need 100 members by then for there to be – another show after that. So please become a member. You can do it for as little as 10 bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. And I urge you to do it if you want this show to continue. Thanks. So I was about to say, I am not inherently a superstitious person. In fact, I'm a, a completely non-superstitious person. However, I'm beginning to think that uh, there may be a curse where the band Paradoxical Frog is concerned. And here's why. First of all, Tyshawn Sori is a member of that band, and I interviewed Tyshawn, I don't know, maybe a year or two years ago, probably probably closing in on two years ago at this point. I interviewed him uh, when I was still living upstate, and I interviewed him over the phone, and so, you know, onto my comp- directly onto my computer, and finished the interview, recorded the intro to that show, which is how I usually, you know, do it, I do the interview, and then afterwards record the intro so I can mix the show together, Recorded the intro and immediately saved it over the show and erased the entire interview seconds after I had hung up the phone with him. So we talked for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. And within five minutes, I had erased everything that I had just recorded. And he, I had mentioned that he was going to be on the show. So people have been asking ever since that time, whatever happened to the Taishan Sori episode? Why didn't you air that? Uh, and that's because I erased it. Another member of the band – oh, by the way, I've re-interviewed Tyshawn, and he's on the next episode on August 8th. Uh, another member of the, that band is Chris Davis, and uh, Chris Davis lives not all that far from me in Brooklyn. And so when I went to interview her, I rode my bike over there and came – and I ride my bike everywhere. As those of you who know me kind of outside of the jazz world know, you know, riding my bike is a, a big part of who I am. I ride my bike everywhere all the time. That was as close to dying as I have ever come on my way to – to visiting and interviewing Chris Davis. Uh, right down the street from her house, right on the corner of her street, I was almost struck head-on by a car that was in the wrong lane uh, and was really only saved from death. And I'm not exaggerating. I absolutely would have been killed. I was only saved from death by being all the way over in my lane to make a left turn and by the guy, the idiot who was in the wrong lane, actually being quite a good driver. He was able to just tap his brakes and jerk the wheel over and miss me by inches. And, I mean, I had a helmet on. It wouldn't have mattered. It would have just been one more part of the wreckage of getting hit at full speed by this car in the wrong lane. So that was as close as I've ever come to death. And then the third member of the band is Ingrid Laubrock. I, uh, she lives a little farther away, but still in Brooklyn. So I rode my bike to uh, visit her as well and uh, got there without incident. Uh, no near-death experiences. Uh, had a lovely interview. And about 20 minutes into the interview, 
when I first started doing interviews, um, one of the useful things that somebody told me was always wear headphones because if you're not wearing headphones, you can't tell whether you're actually recording or not. You know, you just and you can't tell what you're recording. You know what this what it sounds like. Um, so always wear headphones. So I always do. I never do an interview without headphones on. So I had my headphones on. I could clearly hear the sound of the interview in my headphones. Everything was going swimmingly. Ingrid was a great guest. And uh, every once in a while, there's a little a time readout on the recording device that I use. And every once in a while, I you know I glance down at it to see how long the interview has been, and you know I make sure I get enough for an actual show. And uh, it just counts up the number of minutes of uh, audio that you've recorded so far. So we've been talking for like 18 or 20 minutes, let's say, and I looked down, and it said zero. However. The recorder only transmits sound to the headphones when it's recording, and I could clearly hear us in the headphones. And I realized something I never knew about my recorder before, which is that if you pause the recording, it still transmits sound. And apparently somehow when I set the recorder down on the table or when I was adjusting the volume, I think that's when it happened when I was adjusting the volume, apparently somehow I had paused the recording. And so I could hear in my headphones the sound of us recording, but we were not actually recording any audio. Well, the problem is this. I don't have a time as I'm recording this intro. I'm going out of town very soon. I don't have time to get back to Ingrid and redo the interview. And I did get about another 20-something minutes as soon as I realized that. Um, I... I just kept going. I didn't even say anything in the interview because I thought it might make it awkward and whatever. Well, plus it would make me look like an idiot. Uh, so there's that. So I missed a bunch of the stuff that Ingrid said at the beginning. It's, it, I'm sorry. I apologize, Ingrid, and I will have you back on the show. And all of the smart things that you said in the beginning will get on tape at some point. Uh, but right now, what you're going to get is still cool. Uh, I think there's a lot of good things that Ingrid says in this part of the interview, and you get to hear her music, which is amazing. So uh, because I don't have time to redo the show before going out of town, uh, because the show airs while I'm gone, I'm just going to play you what I've got and you know, accept my apologies, Ingrid, and accept my apologies, listeners, for uh, the technical screw-up. Uh, but again, I, I do lay that on the feet of the curse of Paradoxical Frog. Um, so the only interview I've ever erased, the closest to death I've ever come, and the only time I've ever thought I was recording and wasn't, uh, were three members of this trio. And so, uh, the only thing that slightly disproves the curse theory is that right after that, I went to Tyson, Tyson Sori's house and I interviewed him and nothing bad happened. So assuming that show actually makes it onto the air, it's possible that the curse will be broken. Uh, but that's, you know, we, that has yet to be determined. I haven't mixed that show yet, and I might still erase it, or, you know, my computer might explode, or, or whatever. So we'll see what happens. Uh, that's the next program, and if it makes it, then maybe the curse isn't real. But I'm starting to think it might be. In any case, please enjoy Ingrid Lobrock and uh, music from her her new album by her band that I never say the correct name of. The name is actually Sleep Thief. I constantly call it Steeple Thief, uh, which I also think is a good name. But anyway, the band is called Sleep Thief, and uh, please check out this music. Thanks.
good connection with, you know. But I, uh, stuff can develop. Like, there's definitely um, uh, people that you have a great time playing with in one context, but not in the other, right. etc. So I don't, I, I, I try not to be, I wouldn't be too judgmental or something about if, if one session didn't work out or wasn't, wasn't so great or one gig wasn't so great. Sure. You know. But there's also definitely people that I can play with. I cannot play with you know I, f I just it just doesn't feel right there's no chemistry or it just doesn't feel yeah feel good and then I think it's be best left alone right. you know <laughs> for, for I you know and I'm sure that happens vice versa it's not it's actually not even a judgment it's just the chemistry sometimes just isn't there you know? yeah it doesn't always work yeah. can you talk about some of the other projects that you're involved in these days um Tom Rainey's trio <laughs> with Mary Halverson, yeah. which is, he also just, his record is also coming out in November. Oh, okay, We recorded great. in May. It's also coming out on Intact. Then, um... Is that improvised all the way? That's or also improvised, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, then, obviously, the band with Tyshawn. My my band, Anti House, mm -hmm. with um, Mary Halverson and John Abair. Tom Rainey, Chris Davis, when, if there is a piano, we sort of sometimes go out as a quartet, sometimes as a quintet, depending okay. on the the circumstance. So I, th there's a set of music for either, in a way. Sure. Um, we are going to Lisbon in August with Chris. Uh, that, yeah, that's a band, like, that's super fun to play with every time. And it's just, even though it's a quite close, uh, similar combination to Tom's trio, the, it, the music is very different because I write, I write for that. So it's, it's actually a very different group. Okay. And then this new octet is with, um, Ted Reichman, Drew Gress, Tom again, uh, Liam Noble, um, Mary Halverson, Tom Arthurs, who's a really great British, trumpet player okay I don't know. and uh ben davis on cello who's also a an old friend of mine and a beautiful cellist that's great yeah and who commissioned you to write that piece it's the the swr which is the the southwest german radio okay um they ha have I'm, i'm actually i think this may be the last time this is happening but i'm not totally sure about this there is a thing called the new jazz meeting which um, is a commission where you you basically create a new band, especially for this project. Okay. And uh, it's quite a unique situation nowadays, I think, because you actually get, you, you go to the studios, to the SWR radio studios, and you stay there for four days, and you have the whole day, the studio the whole day to rehearse and then to record. So you basically rehearse during the day, record in the evening for three, four days, and then there is another three or four concerts in different, I think in, th in Germany and Switzerland that also get recorded by the radio. So it's actually a week of, you know, of the possibility and or the opportunity to rehearse and record, which wow. is great. What a luxury. It's super, super rare nowadays. Yeah. yeah.
And how did that? How did it happen that they commissioned you? Did you have to apply um, for it? No, um, I I was nominated for this for their jazz prize, which is in in two thousand and eight. No, I can't even remember. Oh no, I I won it in two thousand and nine, and it's just one of those. It's one of those things you you can't apply for it. You just get nominated for it and get it. I didn't. This is quite obscure. I didn't know it until I was called and said like oh you won this prize so through that I kind of have a relationship with them now and with a with a head of, of jazz um, Reinhard Karger and he he um, pushed pu- uh, pushed um, pushed it that I could be part of this new jazz meeting you know he wanted me to do it yeah I had a group in in uh, the UK uh, with a two piano nonet and he heard that and uh, he basically, because of that, he wanted to, you know, he said, like, it would be ni- nice if you wrote something for a large ensemble. No. Can you, uh, for people who may not know your history, talk a little bit about your how you got into playing this music, and particularly the kind of more adventurous side of this Yeah, music? I think it's like a, it's, it's a sort of, I was always looking for, you know, for something else to learn, basically. So I, I, I moved to the UK in 89, started playing saxophone, and, um, you know, tried to, yeah, and basically played a lot of Brazilian music, some some Latin, some Cuban music. Um, then got more into jazz, into playing jazz, and then started writing um, my own music, which took me to check out, you know, check out the. Eventually, took me to check out the the British more improvised scene, which is really pretty amazing. And I guess there's always a new. You know, you, you you're curious, basically. I'm curious, so I'm, and and not scared of um, new avenues, I guess. So, uh, plus, when I was very young, I actually listened to quite a lot of free jazz on the radio, <laughs> which is bizarre. But but I I sort of liked it as a kid because I didn't I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. I just liked the sounds. I liked the the madness of it, and I liked the I liked the sound. You know. And it was available on German radio? Yes. At that time, it was available. It was amazing. Actually, it was quite a lot of it, too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just like the United States. Actually, WKCR yeah, was a actually, good job. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, however, every single person in that sentence would have put WKCR, because that's the one right. example everyone can give well, in I our guess. entire country <laughs> of several, several hundred million people. <laughs> Yeah. I guess that's also the one that's ready, readily available here. Yeah, I listen to it all the time. Yeah, while WKCR I, while I cook. is great. Yeah. Um, you said earlier that you were self-taught, so you just decided one day to play the saxophone, and now um, here we are. Yeah. I got, well, I sort of wanted to learn it when I was a when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I pestered my my parents. Eventually, got a saxophone, but it was it was um, killed a few months later. <laughs> How did that happen? It was a bus drove over it. <laughs> Yeah, it's Whoops. pretty sad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I sort of picked it up again once I once the um, insurance money came through and I could buy a, another instrument, and I I had a friend who was playing saxophone on the street, and I was very like inspired by that and actually kind of you know she was she was she was a woman that came over from Croatia came over to Berlin where I was living, mm. and she just went straight went went onto the street and started playing it was pretty sort of 
amazed by that and I thought oh, I'll do that too you know and she yeah. showed me a few things and it sort of went from there and when you you said you were playing things like Brazilian music and Cuban music mm-hmm. were you just were you being introduced to those musics at that time or is th- those are things you already listened to and now you had a way to no I was actually introduced yourself. to it b- okay. by Brazilian people that I met in London oh cool yeah yeah, I, I I kind of really fell in love with that music, you know, because it's got so many facets. I mean, it still amazes me. I was actually, yeah, it's funny. I don't listen to it that much now, but there's times when I really have to revisit it because it, I I think some of the best songwriting goes on there. Yeah, I totally Long agree. forms, crazy harmony, you know, a mix of rhythm and yeah, really great harmony, great lyrics sometimes, you know great melodies plus the the form serves the words so so you have this like if the poetry is long the song is long if the they don't seem to like like if the poetry is is um uh odd like you know it ends up being 37 bars so be it you right. know? <laughs> you just, it's it's cool it's kind of and and the rhythmic the rhythmic aspect is so great you know do you find elements of that that make your their way into your current writing? Uh, probably less so. Sometimes, actually, some some things like I guess um, when I checked out a little bit more African music um, as well, some of the sort of hocket kind of concepts make it probably make it a little. What is that? Uh, like um, say, say like if you have a line which is um, uh, but this uh, how how would you explain it? There's like three a line that's sung by three people okay and everybody just sings a part of it okay so but so the whole line is made up out of um when you put those three together you yeah, get when, the yeah, line yeah exactly when right. you get those three but individually you'd only hear just little sections exactly okay yeah so i guess that makes that definitely you know occurs in my music and yeah. some rhythmical aspects i suppose of the of the brazilian thing sure yeah uh what motivated you to come to the us in a more permanent uh, way? My husband. <laughs> ah. That's an excellent answer. <laughs> Lame answer. <but. laughs> and what's it, what's it been like moving from the UK scene to the New York scene? Are there noticeable differences? In- yeah, there's noticeable. I mean, it's way bigger here. There's, I mean, New York is a crazy place, I think, because literally everybody ends up here. You have... I mean, the states are so big, and everybody who seems to be fed up with their pla- with wh- wherever they grow up or is too big for their place seems to end up here plus all the Europeans that come here you know so it's I mean it's an amazing amount of talent here right yeah. and uh, yeah I mean it's pretty it's pretty unique I think London London is great too but um, it's you know it's the scene is smaller than here um it, it was. I'm, I'm glad I moved over, but it was also tough at first. I have to say, even though I, I through Tom, I, I sort of kept good company musically straight away. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's hard to to leave your friends behind, to leave your life behind. I was in London for like almost twenty years, so it's sort of that part was hard, you know. Yeah. Especially when you know, yeah. Are there musically too? I mean, you know, you exactly. You've created all these connections. And yeah. When you were talking about loyalty before, obviously you had a similar group of loyal friends in the UK that you played with. Right? Yeah. I, I still try and keep that going. There's another group with um, sort of a younger generation of improvisers that are still 
play with like there's a um Oli Bryce and Javier Camona, they're two younger guys. We have a trio together, you know. I I play with Varian Weston and Hannah Marshall. So whenever I'm I'm actually in Europe and near the UK I'll I'll try and, you know, hook something up that that um to keep those connections going. Yeah. Yeah. Do you notice are there differences in the musical character of these two scenes between London and New York as well, not just the presence of so many more musicians, but actually the kind of music. Yeah, I think that's so. Made. There's there's definitely a, a difference. I, I guess, I mean, it's, it's sort of it's difficult to sum that up. But like, the the improvised scene, I, I guess like a lot of the players have have a sort of a, a certain classical background, or there's a folk mm. background. You know, um, people avoid playing jazz almost. Some people in that field almost, you know, do not want to play free jazz because they feel like that's not um, where they actually are rooted. Okay. So, so there's a, it's a different, it's a different thing, you know, definitely European. Yeah. And um, there's a certain rock influence in some of the stuff that younger people do that's also very British, you know, which I like. There's a, yeah. There's a lot. There's patience. There's, there's some patience in the in the music. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's sometimes different. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to put it in words. But there's definitely there's a different feel for sure. say recently that uh, European festivals bring over fewer American musicians, not just because of the economy, uh, but also because the European scenes are so strong now that it's much easier to feature people from the local area or at least from the European. Yes, uh, I, think, I guess it's probably really changed. You know, it's, it's no longer that there isn't anything happening in Europe or whatever is happening is just trying to, trying to mimic what's American. I mean, people have their own, definitely, each country seems to have their own little thing going, for sure. Yeah. You know, certainly Scandinavia has, and, you, you know, France has, and, yeah, for sure. Given that you came to this music in a, I don't know, if a, a, not unique, maybe, but a non-traditional way, mm -hmm. was there a point where you felt like you needed to go back and kind of listen to either what we might consider the kind of classic era of jazz, or at least to the classic recordings of the experimental music field, did you feel like you needed to ground yourself in the tradition at some point, or did you just feel like you were going to make your own way? With no, the definitely, I definitely, I definitely felt that. Yeah, and I did. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I took like I took a sabbatical at some point and really, really just went, you know, 
practice bebop and practice standards and transcribe like Sonny Rollins and Dexter Gordon and Coltrane and you know um, I, I definitely um, needed that yeah, why do you totally. think that is? Well, it was a, it, it did wonders for like a lot of things. Like there's a certain, I mean, it's just a lang, it's just a, you know, you, you submerge yourself into that. You learn about drums, you learn about the interaction, you learn about harmony, you learn about phrasing, you know, just kind of tools, really mm. basic tools that makes it possible to play with people, you know. Yeah. Plus I've always liked it. I love playing standards and I, and I've, I still actually like it, you know. Um, and, I just don't think you have to. I, I mean, I, I love listening to to um, music, uh, to anything seriously that that is that is good jazz, you know, from Louis Armstrong, Sidney Bechet to Evan Parker or whatever. Yeah. You know? um, if it, th- there's always something to be to, to to be gotten out of that, and I'm I really love the history of it and the development development of it and how stuff, um, how something comes out of that and something comes out of that you know i don't think I, I, I don't think you have to be dogmatic about it you don't have to go like oh i need to learn bebop and if you don't know why but like but i'm if you understand that stuff that one thing comes out of the other then it sort of starts making sense i guess sure that that is necessary in order to make the music that you make or is that a choice that musicians can make that's a really difficult question i think it's it's probably different for er- for everyone um mm-hmm. some people think copying somebody else is a bad idea for me it was kind of a good idea mm-hmm. because because it made me analyze stuff it made me understand stuff better um it kind of taught me a lot about the saxophone about the instrument, you know, it's like a lesson. Copying Sonny Rollins, it's right. like a, it's Quite like, a yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, 
it doesn't mean you have to end up playing like that. I never, I never thought I was going to become a, a musician playing like Sonny Rollins or you know I, I don't want that. But it's, it it teaches you a lot of respect yeah. and a lot of um, a lot about about the instrument, you know. Plus about what everybody else plays too. If you submerge yourself into a solo and you you really learn it by heart, um, like. I, like I remember transcri transcribing a part of Pursuance or maybe the, even the whole of Pursuance and uh, you know it takes forever if you do it by if you do it by heart so you basically have that sound so much around you that it it, it becomes like it, it's, it becomes internalized so much more yeah it's not it's, it's different than, than learning something from a book for me you know sure and in the absence of the real Elven drones and <laughs> right. <Cortina> and yeah. <laughs> since they can't come over anymore, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, and I'll just mention uh, pursuance as part of Love Supreme for people who want. Yeah, to sorry. Check it out. No, that's fine. Do you think it would be a challenge now if you put together a trio or something and went out to play a standards? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, mean a musical challenge actually. for you to play. I mean, sorry, I meant more maybe like a challenge to a challenge for people to accept that that was what you were doing not a challenge for you to play the music but given that you've kind of established reputation in one general area of this music yeah. if you came out tomorrow and played a a gig of standards yeah. is that something you feel you'd have the freedom to do kind of in the, in the scene so. So to speak? yeah why not I, I agree why not <laughs> but it seems like it, it feels to me like the, it's very compartmentalized that you don't hear all that many people who one day are playing you know a set of 12 standards and the next day are playing a totally free gig I just yeah I guess I'm, I mean I, I'm probably not somebody who would like by now say play a set of standards and try and play it in a certain way like try and play it like someone or mm. in, a, in a strict language or something sure. because that that would seem really odd to me right now that, that it also wouldn't sound good <laughs> because it's the, you know it, I haven't done I haven't tried to sound like somebody else for, for a number of, of years in yeah. that respect you know so it would probably sound pretty dumb if I did that you know uh, I've, I'm definitely not somebody who can flip from one style to another style mm. and you know just and just kind of reproduce it like a session musician so I guess like if I did a standard gig it would somehow come out a little warped <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh that sounds nice too what, what is it about this music that gives you joy oh I don't know. I, I just, God, probably like a lot. It's just, it's like it's everything, isn't it? It's like the community. It's the expression. It's the the connection with everybody in the room. It's just the beauty of it. The 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 power, you know, the the power that it has. The the sophistication, you know. It's got so many aspects. The the kind of the way. It makes you, you know, connect with people, and plus the, the, you know, the obvious like virtuosity of people and and rhythmic, you know, the rhythmic propulsion stuff. I mean, there's just so many aspects to it that are really, really killing. I think. My guest is the saxophonist Ingrid Lalbrock, and uh, the band, which is apparently called Sleep Thief. I don't know if I would vote for that name. Stupid thief. <laughs> but, uh, has a new album, The Madness of Crowds, that is on the way. And uh, it's been such a pleasure to, to hear you and to finally get a chance to talk to you. I thank you for doing it. No, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you.
So there you go. That's what I have of the Ingrid Lobrock interview. Again, my apologies. Uh, and, you know, if anyone knows a shaman or someone who might be able to lift the paradoxical frog curse from me, that would be great. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source of jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The show is sponsored by Matt Rock, our first official sponsor, and the show needs you to become a member. Please go to thejazzsession.com slash join and become a member now for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year. I need 100 members by the 300th show, and that is just two shows away. If you're listening to this on August 4th when it comes out, that's just one week from today. So please become a member now, okay? Thanks. And now get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.